What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's PGA Championship. A ton of great content coming this week. And in fact, by the time you're watching this, a tournament preview has already been released. You can go check that out on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel. I recorded out of the Blue Wire Studios at the Win Las Vegas. I dive deep into uh, the golf course, which is Southern Hills, and talk about the, the restoration and talk about the types of golfers that are going to have success this this week and I have a couple of little data nuggets in there so go check out that video and there'll be plenty more to come but in this one we are deep diving the DFS board. I'm going to use my website, rickrungood.com, a large golf database for, for golf betting and fantasy golf. That's it. I only cover golf. Let's jump into it right now. All right, let's start with the course, and I'll give you the highlights. And we haven't seen Southern Hills since 2007, and this is normally where I would share my screen and I would show you all the great numbers on the golf course and what stats are most important, but when you only have one year's worth of data, 2007, and there's been a restoration since, it, it's not going to be possible to run the numbers. So let me tell you about what I think is going to happen this week with Southern Hills. Well, it's going to play, you know, 7,500 yards. It's a par 70. The two par fives on the golf course are absolute monsters. Everything that I've been hearing about the golf course with the crosswinds, with um, uh, the, the the conditions that we think we're going to get this week with some of the, the, the demanding shots, it's going to play fairly difficult as we've seen at PGA Championships in the past. Now, the restoration that Gil Hans did, I believe... It has done a couple of things that are most notable for fantasy purposes. Number one, let's talk about the greens. These greens are not large. Don't I, I've already heard somebody say, "Hey, these are large greens." That's that's not true. Uh, they're five thousand square feet on average, which the PGA Tour average is about six thousand square feet. And what Gil Hans did in this restoration is he he uh, flattened out and rolled down the edges of the green. So if you're on the edge of the green, it's not funneling towards the middle of the green. It's rolling off and you are playing from some really tight lied areas because the, the rough's been shaved down and, and now you're in a situation where you've got to get up and down for par from you know, the ball below the grid. It's just, it's just kind of a tricky situation. It's going to roll away. Uh, so they are effectively even smaller than, uh, than what they're listed at 5,000 square feet on average. Cause not all of that is usable, landable, puttable space on these greens. So that's, that's number one. Uh, number two, uh, is these creeks. So, so Gil Hans, when he did the read, the, the restoration, um, he really made these creeks prominent again, and they basically run throughout the course of Southern Hills. And uh, if you are just kind of a little bit off, if you are spinning your ball in the wrong direction off the tee or on approach, you can find yourself in these creeks. So you'll see a lot of guys, uh, you know, their ball rolls a couple of yards too far and they're kind of stuck there. Um, when it comes to fantasy purposes, I, I think there are two really clear paths to finding success at Southern Hills. Be an elite second shot player because, again, the greens are small, effectively playing even smaller. Hitting the middle of every single green is going to be a valuable asset. Uh, if you can't do that, you better be elite around the green, right? You better have a phenomenal short game. So uh, those, I believe, are what the two paths are. And I think we are going to see a lot of creativity, a lot of um, 
options out there. You know, I've been texting with some guys who have played it already uh, in the in the last couple of days, in the last couple of weeks, and I just keep hearing the same word, options, options. You can play a lot of different holes in a lot of different ways. So uh, that's the that's the short of You can go back and watch the full tournament preview, but I'll reiterate some of that stuff as we continue to chug along here. Let's jump over to the cheat sheet right now and break down this board. The top of the board, the 10K range, as you can imagine, every week, and especially at a major championship, it's going to be absolutely stacked and, and no surprises here. Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, and Roy McElroy. Keep in mind, uh, the pricing came out very, very early, well before... Uh, the Byron Nelson even, I think, even teed off. Definitely definitely multiple days before it concluded. So all of the pricing has been locked in. It might not have factored in Justin Thomas's top five finish. It's definitely not has fa- It definitely did not factor in some of the guys in the 9K range who we'll talk about in just one second. But um, Scotty Scheffler is kind of a problem right now, okay? I've talked about this a lot. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, big-time problem. Let's go the last... Um, last 20 rounds for everybody on tour. And what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to change to the weighted strokes gained here, because what we have are, we have a lot of golfers who are coming from, um, you know, mostly European tour roots, right? That's, that's a lot of this field. So using raw strokes gained on my website, uh, does not necessarily compare the PGA tour versus the European tour, but weighted strokes gained does. So last 20 rounds in terms of weighted strokes gained, which takes into account strength of field, Roy McElroy is number one. Cam Smith is number two. Scotty Scheffler is number three. I bet you, if we go back even further, further. Let's try 30 rounds. I bet you I can get Scotty to the top here. There it is. 30 rounds. Scotty Scheffler. Last seven events. The best player in the world. And what you see here is a couple of things. Uh, He's great on approach and he's been unbelievable around the green. So approach, he's gaining 1.18 strokes per round and around the green, he's gaining nearly a full stroke. That weighted around the green number is number one in this field over the last 30 rounds. So you've got the guy who's won four times, the number one player in the world who's doing it via the short game plus the approach play, those are the two things we want, right? He's fifth in approach. He's first in around the green. That, to me, says Scotty Scheffler has uh, multiple paths to success, right? It, It would be... I would be very surprised based on that this statistical profile if Scotty Scheffler, for example, missed the cut. That would be a, a shocking result. He would have to play so far below what we've seen over the course of the last 30, 40, even 50 rounds for him to miss the cut. Even last week at the AT&T Byron Nelson, through three rounds, he was tied atop the leaderboard in terms of most birdies made. He made a very ugly triple, I believe, on Saturday on number 13, and in a bird fest like we saw at TPC Craig Ranch. You cannot make bogeys, let alone doubles, let alone triples. And he still finished T15 despite punting away a bunch of strokes on a single hole. So I'll reiterate, Scotty Scheffler is a problem. Kind of just love the way the game is rounding into form. It's going to be really hard to pass up. Um, John Rahm coming off the victory in Mexico, I think he's fairly priced. No qualms no matter what you want to do with John Rahm. Justin Thomas, likely to be very, very popular. Now, as the week goes on, we're going to get projected ownership numbers. You see there's a slot for it here on the cheat sheet. The, The time and place for all the ownership discussions is Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. That's the live chat on Rick Run Good uh, YouTube channel. So we'll go through all the ownership. I imagine JT is going to be incredibly popular. It, you know, he has not won this year. 
but he has done basically everything but win. Right. If you would go and we pull up his stat profile here, he's just going to have a bunch of top 10 finishes um, and uh, and he's going to be gaining a ton of strokes on approach. Yeah, there. I mean, just he has not lost strokes on approach since. Jeez. Well, the match play in 2021, which we could throw away because that's wonky data, basically since he missed the cut at Riviera in 2021, that was 15 months ago, is the last time he lost strokes on approach. The putter has been much, much better. This is a really good stat profile. Loved him before the Byron Nelson. You've got to continue to love him. You know, this is going to be such a good fit for him. I I, I do the First Cup podcast with Mark Immelman, who walked the course with JT over the cor- over the weekend talk about how much he's flushing everything he gained 7.8 strokes from t to green i mean it's just everything everything goes towards justin thomas i imagine uh he's going to be fairly popular so we can talk about that on wednesday and then morikawa and rory mcelroy these guys are likely going to be ownership plays for me uh morikawa's you know already already made an ace out there on on sunday at number six at southern hills and he you know he tweets it out or he puts it on instagram and everybody's going to get all hot and bothered by it obviously the pga championship uh, already on his resume i think he is a good option not necessarily a great option when you start factoring in the price and then roy mcelroy you know the last time we saw rory uh, the last two times we saw rory storming up the leaderboard at the Masters, and then finishing inside the top five at the Wells Fargo Championship, TPC Potomac. I mean, these are two; those are two golf courses that are very demanding. Southern Hills is going to be very demanding. Rory McIlroy, depending on how this ownership shakes out, could be a fairly sneaky option in the 10K range. We'll keep an eye on that as the week goes on, but you certainly cannot go wrong with any of these golfers. The 9K is absolutely jam-packed. Uh, Victor Hovland here, one of the best ball strikers that we have on planet Earth. Cam Smith, the combination of great ap- approach play, gaining 1.2 strokes on approach over his last 24 rounds, and also excellent short game. That's scary stuff. Jordan Spieth, 9,600 coming off the runner-up finish. Okay, I, I said this before the at t Byron Nelson, but I know a lot of new people are going to be watching this week. Jordan Spieth is putting up results, a win at Harbortown, and a runner-up finish at the Byron Nelson. He probably should have won, and he's doing it without his best weapon. The putter, right? The putter. At least he gained a stroke and a half at the Byron Nelson, but I'd argue he's not even playing up to his best ability. There is still more juice to squeeze out of this. All of the losses with the putter uh, over the course of the last couple of weeks, he three putts number, I don't remember what number it was on Sunday, but he three putts from seven feet, three putts from seven feet. Even if he just, uh, you know, doesn't miss the three and a half footer coming back, he's in a playoff. Maybe we're talking about him winning back-to-back weeks. Southern Hills, and you're going to hear me say this for Hideki Matsuyama as well, Southern Hills has a lot of Augusta National vibes to it. Uh, Perry Maxwell uh, did some work. Uh, Perry Maxwell, the original architect of Southern Hills, did some work at, uh, at Augusta National. And there are some similarities. And you can look at it and say, okay, guys that have played well at Augusta National could get a little bit of a boost around Southern Hills. Obviously, that's Jordan Spieth, but I'm telling you, there is just so much juice to squeeze out of this. He gained six strokes on approach at the at the Byron Nelson. He gained six on approach at the Valero. He gains another five at Harbortown. And again, the weapon is still not there. That's exciting stuff. Um, the rest of this 9K range, uh, I cannot tell you how excited I am about Hideki Matsuyama. Let me pull up the, the power rankings here. For all the same reasons that we have about, um, you know, uh, 
Jordan Spieth and the Augusta National connections, they all apply to Hideki Matsuyama. Over the last 30 rounds, weighted strokes gain. Hideki Matsuyama is the seventh best player in this field, essentially seventh best golfer on tour. If you look at his stat profile, when Hideki's played, he's been absolutely phenomenal, right? He's been battling the neck injury. So he actually gets dinged on uh, some of these events here. So like he does like the, the, the 2.3 strokes that he lost at Valero before WD that goes into his stat profile. That's the only time since his victory at the Zozo, he's lost strokes to the field. Look, look at the putter. Look at what the putter's been up to. He gains another 1.6 at the Byron Nelson. That That is now four out of his last six weeks. He's, six weeks he's gained strokes with the putter. It's five of his last seven. It's six of his last uh, ten in quick math. One, two, three, four, five. Five of his last nine. Apologies. I can't count apparently. Um, compare that to what we've seen historically from Hideki Matsuyama in his career, and it's a great stretch of golf. What types of golfers are going to have success? What do we know? Approach play, uh, where Hideki is absolutely elite, and guys that can get up and down. Well, Hideki's around the green play has always been great. It's always been great. Let's do weighted strokes gained around the green for the last 200 rounds. So this is basically a career arc or multiple years. Uh, Hideki is basically number one here because Steve Pate, Jay Haas, Steve Stricker, they have so few rounds it doesn't even matter. Hideki's number one. So don't lump in the fact that Hideki historically has been a bad putter with saying he has a bad short game. He does not. He's great around the green. This is, as of me recording this, Hideki's the first bet I made this week. Uh, when I saw that he was healthy and looked good in round one at the uh, AT&T Byron Nelson, I bet Hideki Matsuyama at 45 to one. He's priced at 9,200. If the pricing came out after the AT&T Byron Nelson, he'd likely be more expensive than this, right? Because he, he, he makes a great run, especially on Sunday, finishes third. All good signs from Hideki. This one might hurt, but I, I do feel like Xander's kind of trappy here. Um, I actually want to go through his round-by-round round stuff from last week, if you don't mind. You know, I give Xander a... I give him a lot of credit here, because he made the cut on the number, and he had to play really well on Friday to even get in, and then he goes on a run on the weekend. You know, in fact, if you just look at the last three rounds last week, uh, Xander Shoffley won them by two shots. If that event was only the final three rounds, obviously it wasn't. Um I think a lot of people are going to look at the victory from the Zurich Classic. They're going to look at him charging up the leaderboard at the Byron Nelson, a birdie fest, and they are going to be all in on what is likely a mispriced Xander Shoffley. And I don't mind it. I'm just, I, I don't think I'm going to end up being as excited as everyone else because Hideki, or uh, Hideki, I'm still stuck on Hideki. Xander always, I feel like, is a bit more popular than he should be. And, we, and when you start to look through some of his advanced metrics here, he's obviously very good across the board, but what are his flaws? Well, um, the only thing you could argue is a flaw is his short game. You know, around the green, he hasn't been great this year. He's basically a tour average player. The last handful of starts with the putter, he's essentially tour average if he's going to do that around southern hills that's troublesome and then even when you start throwing in he's had a couple of bad weeks with the driver he's had a couple of bad weeks on approach this is a much more inconsistent version of xander than we've seen in recent years which is why i'm I'm a little bit worried. If Xander won this, would I be surprised? No. If you finished T6, would I be surprised? No. I just think when you start to figure out what his ownership is going to be, 
uh, get a pulse for what, his, what the sentiment is already in the industry for Xander, and then compare some of the other guys like a Hideki, a DJ, a Spieth in this area, I, I just don't think I'm going to get there on the X-Man. And then finally, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy to be um, overweight on Patrick Cantlay here. So Patrick Cantlay has done everything on the PGA Tour except except play well at majors, right? Like his major championship record's not, it's not great. And, and this is going to be his 20th start. And sometimes it takes guys a while to figure it out. But when you start looking at the metrics, there's no reason that Cantley shouldn't be great. And he's coming off the runner up finish at the RBC heritage lost in a playoff to Jordan Spieth. And then he wins with Xander at the Zurich classic. And then you're starting to see a stabilization again of his approach play back in action. You're starting to see the T to green game come around. He's a very good, uh, short game player. He's, he's streaky, right? He's a very streaky guy. And when he gets hot, he can win any event. I mean, just look at the, look at the results. You know, going back to the BMW Championship, win, win, fourth, ninth, fourth runner up. That was a six event stretch. Then he goes through a mini slump at, you know, T33 at the Genesis, misses the cut at the players, doesn't get out of his group at the match play. Then he starts, that's four events. It's four bad events. Uh, then he starts to write the ship. Not even, that's three bad events. Then he starts to write the ship at the Masters. And ball strikes it great. Then we, that was kind of the fore, the foreshadowing of what he was going to do at Harbortown. And he, finishes he gets into a playoff and then he wins at Zerg. so like what are we worried about what are we worried about here other than this event is called a major that's really the only thing to be worried about with Cantlay so I'm pretty I'm pretty stoked about it as we enter this 8k range here I kind of want to look at this at a couple a couple of different ways so first off let's let's just go to the holy grail and let me just fire up you know major championships for the last five years right so I'm just going to select um, well, I'll do 21 is the first year and then we'll do two, three, four, five. So back to 2017, everybody in this field, and then I'll just load up, um, you know, the four, the four tournaments. And if you hold control in the Holy Grail, you can select more than one tournament. Okay, so what do we see here? Well, uh, Brooks Kepka, uh, who is not in the $8,000 range, but he's right there at $9,000 in 67 rounds. He's obviously been the best in major championships in the last five years plus this year. Now, um, I do see Wills Altoris' name. Wills Altoris, a very popular option last week at the AT&T Byron Nelson, missed the cut. Uh, now, he has played 21 rounds in major championships, gaining 2.05 strokes gain, uh, strokes per round. It's phenomenal stuff. Are you worried about Will Zalatoris? Well, the answer is you probably shouldn't be because as far as missed cuts go, this is basically the best missed cut you could have asked for from someone, right? It would have been really scary if Zalatoris played horribly and did something very much against his DNA. Look what he did. Gained three strokes on approach. No problem there. In fact, that's a great two rounds for him. And he loses 4.2 with the putter. Well, yeah, he's not a great putter. And that's a lot to lose. It's probably one of his worst putting performances ever. Let's see. It is, um, yeah, you know what? And look at this. Look at this. This is beautiful. So that was his one, two, three, four, five, sixth worst putting performance ever. You know where his fourth worst putting performance ever came? Um, TPC Craig Ranch last year. Also, you know where his worst putting performance came? The AT&T Byron Nelson in 2016. That was a different golf course, and he was not even a professional at the time. But you know what? Maybe there's a lot of pressure on him when he goes to 
Dallas and he goes home. Because look at his look at his one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth worst putting performance ever. Also Byron Nelson. His four of his worst eight putting performances are at the Byron Nelson. Two of them are at the course that he played last week. So this is not uncommon. Maybe he doesn't putt well in front of in front of family and friends. Maybe he's a Verizon guy because five of his worst putting performances are at AT&T events because you throw Pebble Beach Pro M in there. Maybe he's just a Verizon guy. I don't know. But I am not worried about that in the slightest. A place that he has not putted at historically, uh, he doesn't putt at. He gains three strokes on approach, which is absolutely beautiful. And he's got a, a great uh, track record in his young career at major championships. He's pricing the $8,000 range. I'm hoping you see that cut miscut last week and you say, no, I don't want any bit of Will Zaltors because I think that would be a big win for me. Now, if you notice, as I scroll through here, we're in the $8,000 range. There's not a lot of names um, for major championships that are showing up in the $8,000 range. Louis Oosthuizen is here as well. Withdrew from the Masters, so you've got to be a little bit worried about that after playing, uh, I think he played a full round. Don't quote me on that, but he had started and he withdrew. Open Championship and the U.S. Open in 2021. I mean, look at his 2021. He had three top three finishes and a T26. So he knows what he's doing around major championships, but I guess there is some level of concern about the state of his game, the state of his body. But look at this. I mean, there's just not a lot of ex major championship experience, in the, uh, or not experience, but like success in the last five years. Uh, in this $8,000 range, Shane Lowry's in here. Obviously, his Open Championship win is in there as well, and he's played much better. But it, it's very easy to to not see a lot of guys in the $8,000 range. Tiger's in there. Tiger's in there. Uh, we can also look at this a different way. This is the trends tool. Uh, this is called Who's Hot and Who's Not, so it allows you to see uh, any time frame that you want. So I look at I look at 24 rounds compared to a golfer's 100-round baseline, and we start to look for hot guys. Well, there's that Shane Lowry guy again. So now Lowry has checked off uh, major championship success in the last five years. We've got a guy who's playing uh, above his 100-round baseline right now, and he's doing it in a way that's good, gaining a much better off the tee, much better with the putter. I worry about the putter. That that could come back to uh, to earth, but the off-the-tee stuff usually tends to stay a little bit longer, so that's exciting. Max Homa playing over his baseline in the best possible way, the two ball-striking categories. He went out, played TPC Potomac, grinded his way through wet and nasty conditions. Probably not going to be that way at Southern Hills this week in Tulsa, but the ability to just make a bunch of pars, to just grind it out, to just not let making a bogey or a double, you know, not let that take you out of your round. I, I, I like these guys, so I can probably focus on those guys right there. That was that was Lowry, it was uh, Zalatoris, and it was Max Homa. The other name that I would throw in, and I'm actually... I'm actually kind of excited about the fact that um, he faded on Sunday was Joaquin Neiman. I had a I had a ticket on Joaquin Neiman last week. He enters the final round, what, one or two shots behind and then has his worst round of the week. Maybe that tempers ownership this week. But Joaquin Neiman has all the shots off the tee. He hits his long irons well. He won at Riviera. I mean, I, I really like the way... Neiman sets up for this golf course. So that's kind of the way I, I go through the 8,000s. Um, you know, I'm like almost contractually obligated to talk about Tiger Woods. Obviously, we don't have a lot of data on Tiger recently because he just played the one time in, what is that, 15, 17, 19 months, whatever it's been. And it was the Masters. Um, I've seen the videos from Tiger. I've uh, been following it very closely, as you can imagine. He looks 
stronger, I believe. I think he looked stronger in some of the videos that I saw. But that 47th at the Masters, uh, where he lost a ton of strokes with the putter, he was pretty darn good on approach. That's okay. This is not the Masters. You know, this is a full field, deep event. There's not 20 scrubs at the bottom. Uh, the cut, the, the few, so so many fewer golfers are going to get through the cut line. Uh, he does not have the built-in knowledge of Augusta National like he does around Southern Hills. Even when he won at Southern Hills in 2007, this golf course is different. It's very different. The visuals are different. They removed a lot of trees. They did a lot of work. I, if you made me bet, I, I would take the Tiger misses the cut side. Uh, but I think it's going to be close. I think it, I think there's a chance he makes the cut and kind of finishes again that 47th to 60th, something in there. But I, I think if you made me bet it, and I bet it at the Masters, and I bet him to make the cut, if you made me bet it this time around, I'd probably take the miscut side. The $7,000 range, uh, it's got a lot of good names, but this is probably where I start to worry about whether or not these guys can actually win the golf tournament. And there are some formats that are better for these guys than others. Like, it's hard to pull a trigger on a Billy Horschel 110 to 1 outright, although I might. Uh, I've seen him as short as 50, but I might, like, I, I that, that would be hard to do. Playing Billy in DFS might be a little bit better. I, I prefer to play these guys in the jock market, which is stock market DFS, because what you'll find is all you need them to do is outperform their expectations. So I'm showing you the last 10 starts here. And someone like a Cam Young, who is in this price range, is one of the most profitable golfers on tour in the last 10 cash markets be, without a win, because all he does is he all he does is he outperforms his expectation. You know, his average IPO, you bought him, you buy him for a week for four dollars and fifty-seven cents a share, depending on his finishing position with all the guaranteed payouts. Uh, he's been averaging a payout of $8.25 a share. You could buy one share. You could buy 100 shares. But like, this is the range that I love these guys. And Keegan Bradley, another one, uh, has earned you 62% ROI over his last 10 starts, zero wins. So this is kind of how I like to deploy those guys. I have this data... For the jock market on my website, rickrungood.com, it's actually for free. So you can see last week, um, you know, Jordan Spieth went for $7.01 in the IPO, finished second, got the payout of $20 a share. So without winning, he made you $13 a share. So that's that's kind of what we're going with. And that's what, the way I like to deploy these guys. Um, if you want to get involved in jock market, use the code Rick. I'd appreciate that. And we have a power hour on Wednesday night on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel to talk you through how to bid on these golfers. It'll be, it'll be a blast. We've got some fun stuff kicking there. Um, a lot of savvy vets in this range. Paul Casey's withdrawn. Sung J.M., who was in the $8,000 range, he's withdrawn, so don't worry about those guys. There's something about Jason Day. Uh, I, I'd like to, again, go to the Holy Grail, go round by round, and look at J-Day's recent rounds. I think that is is going to be a good exercise. Let me pull it up here. All right, so what I've done here is I've just isolated Jason Day's last 12 rounds. And there's a couple of ways we can look at this. So first of all, he finishes 10th at the Zurich Classic with his partner, Jason Scrivener. Team event, you got to be on top of your game. That's a really good sign. Wells Fargo Championship, T15, one horrible round. He lost 5.3 strokes on Saturday. Other than that, he gained 6.5 in a round. He gained 5.5 in a round. He gained 1.2 in a round. Now we go to the AT&T Byron Nelson. Three good rounds, plus 2.2, plus 1, plus 2.3, minus four and a half. So he has basically played two bad rounds out of his last 12, and he's got a 10th, a 15th, and a 51st. I think there's, 
I, I think there's something here. You know, I, I think it's easier to clean up those kind of really bad rounds. His short game, still very strong, right? He gains around the green almost consistently. He can find a hot putter. We've seen him have good driving and good approach rounds in here. Um, even when he hasn't been at his best over the course of the last couple of years, Jason Day has shown up at PGA Championships. And obviously, it's it's a different golf course every year. But when you are a past champion and you get a similar type of setup and a similar type of golf course, um, this means something, right? You know, even, even obviously he was, he was one of the best players in the world here in, in 2015, 16 and 17, where he won finished runner up and then finished T9. Well, what's he done since T19 in 2018? That was not a great year for him, right? 2019, not a great year for him. Finished T23, 2020, not a great year for him. Finished T4, 2021, probably his worst year. Uh, T44 makes the cut. Now we're getting, I think, a better version of Jason Day, who's playing better as of late. I, I, I think we're, I think we got something here. I don't know what it is. Something we have something here. I, I kind of alluded to Billy Horschel earlier. Um, I don't know what I'll end up doing, but I, I don't, I don't mind Billy. You know, he makes another deep run at the match play after winning it last year. He won on the European Tour, so he's got two wins in 14 months. He's got the runner-up finish with with Sam Burns at the Zurich. He's playing much better golf. Uh, he has not had a lot of major championship success, but his best major has been the PGA Championship. I think he's made eight of nine cuts. I I, I see flashes of of reasons to, to have me interested in Billy Horschel. Uh, I might just bet it at 110, but I, I don't mind that if you wanted if you wanted to go that route. And then let me round out this range with one guy at the top and one guy at the bottom. I feel like I talk about him every week, but if you're just if you're new, like Matt Fitzpatrick, the harder the golf course gets, the better he is. I mean, he was a runner-up at TPC Potomac. That's awesome. If you look at his golfer profile, what you're gonna find is just an absolute it's just it's just top tens and top twenties. It's it's all he does. Um he's much he's much better off the tee than I think people want to give him credit for. Like I'll just I'll just show you the stat profile real quick. It, it's just it's just so good. It's just so good. Right, I mean, he doesn't get out of his group at the match play. Not all that worried about that. Other than that, awesome, awesome stuff. And he wins, right? He's got seven professional wins. Still looking for that elusive PGA Tour victory, but he 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 wins. Uh, and then the bottom of the seven K range, uh, Alex Norin. You know, so what I love about this cheat sheet, uh, and actually, I'll just I'll just isolate just the seven thousand dollar range here. Um, Whoops, let's get that to load here. So there are 39 golfers in the $7,000 range, and I have this uh, loaded in for the last 24 rounds. And what you'll see is Alex Norin, who is min price, or not min price, the bottom of the range, 7000 is the fifth best golfer in this field, uh, in the 7K range, because Paul Casey's out. So he was six, but Paul Casey's out. And look at what he's doing. Uh, gaining across the board, right? That means he's gaining strokes in all four major categories. Last 24 rounds, he's got the approach play working. He's gaining over a half a stroke there. That's third of the guys uh, um, above kind of in this upper upper 7K range that are that are above him. Um, he's, he does it around the green, right? Very stout, short game, very good putter. You don't need him to make a ton of birdies, uh, even though the, the T12 finish at, at Byron Nelson was pretty impressive considering how low you have to go there. I think kind of a grind fest is probably a better situation for him. You know, he doesn't really get himself in trouble off the tee. He's been leaning into a much improved iron game and wedge game. And then the short game's always been kind of the good stuff. So, so Norin uh, at the bottom of this range, likely 
my my favorite at the at the bottom of the sevens. And then the 6K range, great example of, of why we need the weighted strokes gained, right? Because I'm looking at the raw strokes gained numbers right now. There's 80 golfers in the $6,000 range. Ryan Fox, number one. But it's like, this is a small sample size, and all, all it is, is is stuff from the DP World Tour. Um, and a bunch of guys that, that play primarily over there are getting a big number. So when we change it to weighted, this thing starts to even itself out. Now this makes a lot more sense, right? Um, Sam Horsfield, who just won last week on the European Tour, now he's number one. Makes complete sense. Patty Harrington, who, um, believe it or not, and 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 the day that we have, of course, finished fourth at the PGA Championship leisure. He's been playing really good golf. Then we get some of the more um, guys that we know more often, you know, Matt Kuchar, Chris Kirk, Aaron Wise, Honor, Bon Lahiri, Davis Riley, these types of guys, right? Um, let me point out a couple to you. So I, I've, I've mentioned this a couple of times now, but ever since whatever Joel Damon told, uh, no, that was Steven Yeager, whatever Will Salatoris, my brain, told uh, Davis Riley at the Zurich Classic, it's working, right? Because they they finished fourth at the Zurich. They finished, uh, then Riley goes on to finish fifth, obviously as an individual in Mexico, ninth at the Byron Nelson. This is a really good golfer whose best skill set is his irons and wedges kind of getting hot at the right time. Um, Mito Pereira is also here. Let's pull up Mito's uh, stat profile here because I think this is worth the time because we've been tracking this guy ever since he got that battlefield promotion from the corn Ferry last year. And it's been, it's been such an interesting statistical profile where he started out as one of the best ball strikers on tour, uh, immediately out of the gate, could not find the putter. Then he lost the ball striking, found the putter. Now he's found the ball striking again and hasn't really lost the putter, right? This is kind of kind of fun here. So he has gained strokes off the tee and a ton of them in six straight. And in five of those six, it's been multiple strokes off the tee. The approach play, ability to gain 4.2 at the Byron Nelson, 4.2 at the Valspar, another three at Harbortown. And now the putter is not consistently good like it was from this stretch from Houston to the Genesis, but it's good enough. You know, he pops for 2.8 at the Texas Open. A zero or a small gain at the Valspar. Okay, that's fine. You know, you could sign me up. Give me this. Give me uh, basically what he did from T to green at the Byron Nelson and then a small gain with the putter at Valspar and 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 Mito's going to absolutely pay himself off this week, right? Like, I think that's a very interesting t- statistical profile and someone that we need to really keep an eye on. Um, while we're here, let me just do weighted strokes gained approach for this range. Okay, Kevin Knopp who might be on his way to the Saudi league very, very shortly, would maybe want to snatch up 2 million bucks before he gets out of here. Kevin Na, over his last 24, has been so good on approach, which is historically not an attribute of his. So again, this is kind of, he is like the cheap, cheap, cheap version of, uh, who else would, I don't even want to say Scotty Scheffler, but I'm just saying like where approach and short game are kind of the two ways that he can get it done. Those are what I believe to be the two paths to success this week. And we know Kevin Na is streaky and we know he wins once a year and we know like all that stuff, right? So you're going to need to get a absolute ceiling week from Kevin Na, but the stat profile that he's rolling out to us right now, it's not bad. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen. I don't mind it. Um, I don't mind it at all. All right, let's run a model here. This is a custom model, rickrungood.com. Now, we've got to be really careful here because I think there are two paths to success and they're not necessarily 
parallel paths. So what I would probably do, maybe we can run another one on Wednesday. Uh, I would run like a ball striking model and I would run maybe like a short game model and then kind of see what pops out. So here's what I'm going to do. Um, last 20 rounds, let's try 20 rounds. And I want to use the weighted strokes game because I've got a lot of guys from a lot of different tours here. So I want to say, I, I let's do the ball striking one. Weighted strokes gained approach. Uh, 25. Then I want to do like 15 on weighted strokes gain total, just because I need to separate some of the Euro guys who are just Euro guys and Euro guys like Sam's Horsefield who are, who get the boost in the weighted strokes gain stuff. I need to separate that. I need to separate them from some of the guys that we see all the time. Um, so I've got 40 used. Uh, what I'm also going to do is I'm going to do well, I'll do a sh I'll do an around the green one. Uh, uh, my around the green one would definitely have would definitely have sand saves as well. There are I think eleven different greens that are that are protected by four bunkers or more. It's really kind of crazy. So, okay, what are we gonna do here? I've got twenty five on approach. I've got fifteen um, total, which I know that strokes gain approach is going to going to take that into account. Uh, let's also do. I want a little bit of driving distance. Let's put 15 there. It's a, it's a long course. I want to, uh, and I don't like to play the bucket game, but I'm going to do 10 on 175 to 200 and 10 from 200 out. I think you're going to be hitting a lot of long irons. It leaves me with 25. I mean, I could do sand saves. I could do sand saves and 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 do uh, maybe I could also include sand saves in my around the green model as well. Um, but let's run this one and just see what happens. So my number one golfer is oh boy yeah no surprise Justin Thomas, JT number one Rory two Xander three Cam Smith yeah four HV three is five how about that. HV3 has been very good from T to green. He's been very good on approach. He's been manageable and serviceable in all the other categories. Interesting. Hideki, six. Let's go. Munoz, seven. Neiman, eight. Victor, nine. Cantlay, 10. Let's go. This, I would love, I'd love this. Those 10 guys right there. Let's just roll with them. Let's just roll with them. I'd absolutely love it. Um, just kind of looking through. Scotty's number 13 for me. Morikawa is number 15 for me. DJ is uh, number 22 for me. Just kind of pointing out some of the notables. John Rom's 39 for me. Yeah, he's cooled off a little bit. He's cooled off a little bit. The iron play has not been nearly as good. Um, what we could also do is let me let me readjust this. Like let me take down weighted strokes gained approach. Let me put more on around the green play. Uh, let me take down the buckets. Like I don't care about the buckets anymore. We'll keep the sand saves. We'll do. Uh, and then we'll just do like 20 on birdie or better. No, let's just do 20 on draft kings points gained, right? We're playing a fantasy game. Let's just do that. And then let's see how this, how this, you got to re, you got to re, uh, sort your comm. I think JT's still number one. He is. Wow. The gap got smaller, but JT is still number one. Rory two, Cam Smith three, Xander there. Yeah. I mean, it's similar, guys. I didn't change everything. Scotty gets a bump on this one. Uh, Lowry gets a bump on this one. Spieth gets a bump on this one. Okay. So a couple different ways we can do it. Lots of, Listen, lots of things to talk about, lots of stuff to figure out. Uh, plenty of content coming this week. Let me know what you think. Let me know how, uh, how you think it's going to play out. Tweet me. Leave a comment below. I can be found on Twitter at Rick Run Good. Um, yeah, best of luck. I'll talk to you guys soon.